Listeners, this episode is brought to you by Corporate Consciousness. I have referred Denny Tato, the president, to both clients and family. She uses the Enneagram, a game-changing tool, to help improve emotional intelligence and create transformational change. This is both personally and professionally. She does it with one-on-one coaching and also working with teams. So if you value your greatest asset, your employees, and you're ready to truly take it to the next level to master performance, check out her website at corpconsciousness.com. I can say I've been to at least a dozen funerals for suicide or drug overdose. And and that, for us, is um, where we want to be a pioneer in this industry. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. I'm thrilled because I've been working on this interview for months. We had to reschedule it a couple times. No worries. Uh, I'm so excited that Brittany Ruby Miller is here. And for those of you that don't know, she is the president of Jeff Ruby Culinary Entertainment. Yay. Yay. Welcome. I know. You know, everything everything happens for a reason. So um, maybe this was the right season. Yeah, I think that's right. I believe that. Okay, Brittany. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Where where did you grow up? Um, tell us about your family of origin and where you were in the um, in your siblings, like birth order. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Anderson Township, um, pretty much born and raised. I think my parents lived in Loveland when I was a baby, but moved to Anderson back in Coldstream. Uh, went to Anderson High School. Had a little stint at McNicholas High School. I'm the oldest. Is there a story behind that little stint? A little bit, okay. yeah. I, I actually, <laughs> yeah. So I've my mom has always been very spiritual, and you know she's Christian. My dad's Jewish, and but we always celebrated all the holidays, and um, and so I always had this like desire to see what a Catholic school would feel like, what it would you know seem like when you're walking the halls. Is it different from public school? And yeah. So I went, and I thought it was cool that you could take religion classes, and kind of got a feel for that, and. Um, but, you know, when you're in high school, you miss your friends. And so went back to Anderson. But I love that you wanted to try it for the Catholic experience. <laughs> I wanted the Catholic experience. <laughs> That's so it great. Was great. It was a great. And also, yeah. you know, there. Um, I came from a big, Anderson High School is big. So the sure. football games, the pep rallies, all that's kind of on another level. level. But if you're not exposed to that before, you don't really miss it. But I did definitely miss, you missed it. part of that. Yeah. yeah. No, no blamed on any part two. Right. McNick, it's a great school. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. Okay, uh, birth order? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. What do you want, the year two? My... No, no, you don't have to do that. How <laughs> many siblings? Two siblings, so Brandon and Dylan. Okay. Yeah, and I work with them, and they're you awesome. You work with both of them. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we all nice. grew up in the operations. Uh, Brandon and Dylan. Brandon started as a valet. Dylan, I think, started as a server's assistant, and I started as a hostess. And so... Each of us about um, 20 years, I guess, 15 to 20 years of operations experience uh, working together and, you know. And still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And did your mom work in the business? She was, um, I think, really involved in the beginning. Obviously, as when you're starting a business, it's not just the husband who is, I'm going to open the precinct. 
Um, she was part of, you know, that process with him. Yeah. And um, heavily involved. And as he continued to grow, you know, she, it's not that she was full-time employee by any means, but she certainly always had her stamp on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. So grew up in Anderson, went there. I probably should know this, but I don't know this. Are your parents still married? They are not married, okay. but they are the best of friends. Really? Yeah. And um, it, like I said, this is an interesting season. And so um, you really see the true colors of your parents when, especially with them being divorced. Um, this past week, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, her attitude is amazing. But what was, she said, the most incredible thing, my father, um, when we found out, we were at her house, including my dad, within an hour, the siblings and him, um, to be there for her. And the following week, so we grieved, and now she's like, let's just conquer this, let's get over it. Yeah. And um, before she starts everything, he surprised her with um, a last minute trip to Florida. And so they surprised her, they kind of <sighs> shut the blinds, had a limo pick her up, they took her to Lunkin, got on a private plane, flew that day down to Sarasota. And she was just with the grandkids. And, you know, she's like, that's who Jeff Ruby is. That's, you know, he's just not an ex-husband. He's just an amazing human. And those are my parents who are divorced, who still to this day love and care for each other so much um, that it's, you know, it's really, it's remarkable. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that made me yeah. tear up a little bit. That yeah. is amazing. Me too. She sent the text and was like, you know, this is uh, this is who my ex-husband is, and this is she said it's the best vacation she's ever had. Like I said, her strength <laughs> is incredible, and um, but you know that's one of the things that we're getting her ready to go through this process. Yeah, and he really stepped up, and he's they've been that way forever. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, so that's your mommy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, definitely prayers for her. I appreciate it. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So take us through. Do you go to typical college, do that whole scene, or do you go straight into working in the business? Um, well, I worked in the business through high school. So I kind of missed a lot of the high school fun stuff because I really worked a lot. And so my parents never, it was never, um, you know, like, here's a very comfortable allowance. And it was like, if you want anything, you're going to work for it. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, from high school, you know, I went to, um, University of Cincinnati and, um, so I started in the business college and then like September 11th hit boom right away. And I wanted to take world religion because I was hearing a lot about, you know, different faiths and holy wars and what was going on. And that was, you know, a really pivotal time for me going into school, going into college. Right. Um, and so, you know, my dad was like, uh, just take whatever you want and get out <laughs> in and out in four years. So I kind of did that. And, you know, it was not the, the healthiest way because I had to double up and take a lot of extra, you know, hours the last quarter, um, which is a kind of maybe something you want to talk about because I ended up having three seizures yeah. and diagnosed epileptic and couldn't drive. And I really, it, it was kind of a crazy situation that happened through that. This epilepsy thing has been coming up a lot. So we... Yeah. We did some episodes with adolescents. We called them Failing Forward with Addos. Mm -hmm. And one of the interviews, and we had a Annie Schumann in mm -hmm. high school. She interviewed mm -hmm. peers, right? Mm -hmm. And one of them was um, yeah. a girl that was diagnosed with epilepsy in, in high school. From what I can recall, at that point, after two seizures, they kind of say you have epilepsy. You've got it. Yeah. And 
at the time, you know, my parent, I was, um, so took a bunch of classes the last quarter, 30 credit hours to graduate on time. And they were on quarters, not semesters. So it was basically two quarters in one. And I got in my car. I remember I was really tired. I wasn't sleeping. Got in the car. was headed, going to be headed to Carlo and Johnny up 71 North. Yes. Going 70 miles an hour. And my gas light went off. So I went around the corner and I'm headed towards OTR. And um, I woke up through the public library. So I drove through the public library and I remember the lady saying, and I've never had a seizure in my life. She's like, you just had a seizure. And at the time, I'm kind of like, did I do something wrong? Oh, my God. Was I like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you're not in trouble. We're taking you to the hospital. And it's just very bizarre. And then I felt, then you could start to feel when they were coming on. You could sense when they're coming. And so long story short is um, during that time, you know, I'm I'm with the top neurologist at UC and my parents are obviously very concerned. And he came back and he just said, it's lack of sleep and stress. And I never had another one after college ever again. Really? Yeah. And that's surprising because your job now I would think is very stressful. Yeah, but I really value sleep, and I sleep like a baby now. <laughs> so you do? I do. I go to bed like at nine thirty or ten, and yeah. Um, but I know when I'm my I know my boundaries, you know, and yes. it's just yeah. Uh, I posted a quote this week that I heard from one of the top leaders. She was the president of Burberry, and then she was VP of Experience at Apple. And her quote was, um. If you want to be happy, I've learned that to be happy, you have to give 60% and take 40%. Hmm. And I got some pushbacks from some people on that mm-hmm. quote. And hmm. so I I posted, you know, a response and said, I, I think the key that she's trying to get across is that boundaries, mm-hmm. you need to set healthy boundaries for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is receiving. Right. And not giving all the time. Yeah, I did a speech for the business career, Jamie, who and he uh, it was for mentoring Monday and the speech was how to exercise your no muscle. And so I have no problem saying no to like a lot of things now because I know physically what my body can take. And, you know, the question's always like, well, how do you know what to say yes yeah. to and what to say no to? And it really came down to me um, doing what we call in our business, it's called a VP MOSA, so vision or values, purpose, mission, objective, strategies, and action steps for your life. Hold on, VP. <laughs> VP MOSA. MOSA, and it's that's through, cute. It's through transformational leadership, and we're doing strategic planning process right now for our company. And so, like, you know, we're doing what's our vision, mission, purpose, objective, strategies, and action plans for the next year and then three to five years. But when you do that for your life. For, wait, hold on. Vision, purpose, mission, Objectives, objectives, strategies, and action, action action steps. Okay. So the way that Ford Taylor has us do that is you 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 basically write your obituary, your personal obituary, which is really hard to do. Yes. And you write your tombstone. So you do an obituary that is, you know, longer than a tombstone's two to three sentences or whatever. And then you think about what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? So the person who, what do they say about, you know, what you did here on earth or what type of person you are. So you get all of that down to who I am or who you are. And for me, I mean, it's being, yeah, I was gonna say, what's yours? being a really loving, patient wife. <laughs> Better remember my anniversary. Um, <laughs> That's an inside joke because we both could not remember our anniversaries. <laughs> like looking at the text, I think I'm losing my mind. Um, being a present mother, uh, not just a good mother, but being really present and hands-on, being an ethical and loving leader and 
positively impacting the poverty level in Cincinnati, um, where most people don't know we're in the top five right. in the country. And look, every there's everybody has their own cause. For me, we're going to impact through the foster care system. There's now 3,000 kids in the Hamilton County foster care system. And we believe that if we can put a dent in that, that this cycle of of generational um, stuff that's been happening through whether, you know, it's um, teen pregnancies or whatever it might be, just not having somebody that you can rely on, incarceration rates, you know, homelessness, joblessness, all of that, we believe there's a really big impact through the foster care system. And so long story short, through our platform, like we don't raise, you know, $30 million a year. We do one event. Yeah. Which is coming up in April, Jeffrey B. Foundation. Yes, but <laughs> we have this That's awesome. That's a good plug. Plat- we'll put that in the. We'll put those in the notes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we have a really cool platform through um, food and hospitality, and the, I always tell people the one thing that movers and shakers all have in common is that they love steak, bourbon, and wine. And so <laughs> I'm able to like pick up the phone, and you know, we we would call Dewine or at the time Matt Bevan, and let's get together and let's talk. And it's literally usually within a couple of days. I'm going to D.C. next week and. Capitol Hill and this great opportunity that we have through the platform that we have through our restaurants yeah. to get people to talk. So what that means for me, though, to back to how do you say no to things, that doesn't mean I don't support. Obviously, breast cancer is going to be really important for me now. Um, we've got Alzheimer's in our family as well. And so I know what my things are that I want to be part of. Yeah, There's a million things that go on. It, I'm sure you're asked to go to a million events. Yeah, I would if it's me, I'm measuring the ROI based on what events do I go to? Well, do they fall within my wheelhouse there of what my vision and mission purpose is for my life? Um, so I say no, and I should have said no to graduating on time, but I learned my huge lesson and mm-hmm. I haven't had seizures. After that, went to culinary school, Mid- Midwest Culinary Institute. Um, really just went because I wanted credibility with my chefs. Yes. And then fell in love with cooking. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, thought I was going to be a chef and, you know. Did you always know you wanted to go into the business? I did not. No. In fact, when I was at UC, my, one of my, uh, one of my courses, I did an internship with Channel 5 with Ken Brew and George Vogel. And (laughs) at that point, I'm like, I'm going into sports broadcasting. I had this really cool opportunity with Aaron Andrews and Tariko, um, to go to the Alamo Bowl and intern with her. And that was really neat. And then um, I think it was like the first bump in to my husband in the locker room. And he was like, this isn't cool. Yes. Okay. So somebody was like, <laughs> her husband is famous. Well, he, so he would say he, you know, he, he, he was a middle linebacker for the Bengals. And um, I met him here, obviously, somebody introduced us. Um, but, you know, I also realized I don't think I want to go into sports. Yeah. I really love talking about food. Yes. And so then we had some cool connections with um, the Food Network and um, opportunities with that. The long story short is, um, so, oh, well, in between, I was like, well, Dad, I want to be a chef. And he's like, no. At this point, I was managing at our Belterra location. Yeah. And so I said, well, I'll Were just... you commuting down there? I was. Yeah. For two, no, for four years. It was hard. Wow. That is hard. Um, Wait, but that he was said a no. cool, interesting. Why did he say no? He, I, I think he really had a bigger vision for me. If I'm going to be in the industry, um, that he wanted me eventually to probably run the company. I love that um, he was progressive enough that it didn't have to be his sons mm-hmm. that did that. He loves having a female president. He does. He really does. He think that 
and I know because he's, he's, there's just so much value. And we've had VPs and um, even um, presidents who were all male who were great. You know, my mentor was one of the best. He ran Hilton's all over the world. He opened them. He was with the Drake and came back to he wanted his legacy to be that he for the last three years of his ret- before he retired, he mentored me and then took our company to the oh next level. Um, and so and he's he's incredible. <clears throat> so but my dad really invested in Russell to come not just mentor me too, but also all of our corporate directors and our GMs for three years. And literally, you know, he was like, I think I'm gonna be done this week. Like, here's the keys. No, you're good. And um, you you don't really need me anymore. So when was that? That was, it's been about three years now. Okay. Yeah. So I think I came to the corporate um, team. Uh, it was probably six years ago. And so just really, I started as a guest relations manager. I was answering the phone, taking complaints. Yeah. So I went from management and operations. And then it was like, just start at the bottom at corporate and learned a lot, but had really good people around. Um, you're married. Mm-hmm. You have how many kids? Four. Four kids. Yeah. <laughs> and you're president mm-hmm. of this large company. And I'm getting uh, my MBA right now from Xavier, which is Are I you actually, serious? I did, but I exercised my no muscle. I took the yeah. quarter off. Because that was one of the things my other mentor, Ford Taylor, said, he knows that I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, look, if you want to go do this thing, fine. But if there's a season where you're going to, like, kill yourself like you did in college, like, just take the quarter off. So I took this quarter off. And Why are you getting your MBA, though? Why do you you feel like you need that? I actually kind of went in wondering. He was like, I think that it might do more harm than good. Really? Because he he sees a lot of, in his experience, people who just want to manage and lead by through a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm very relational. Um, so he kind of wasn't really for it. But, um, you know, I had dinner. It, when I presented it, it was Ford and then Mark Kaner, who's with Western Southern, president of Western Southern. Okay. And now he's like getting his PhD or something. He's like, I'm all for it. <laughs> Ford's like, I'm not. And I said, look, the, the middle ground here is if it's overwhelming, then I won't do it. You know, then I'll just take a break. Yeah. I could go through this program for 10 years. It's a quarter at a time. That's true. I love it because, well, there's two, there's two reasons, I think, in my um, mind why I wanted to do it. And one is obvious. And this is, this might sound negative, but it is extremely hard for women to have credibility, um, especially for a family-owned business. Mm. And so I'm not naive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had an amazing experience just through my dad and and then school. And, you know, that's why I went to culinary school. And um, But I really, I think, was there was something in me, and that's why Ford was saying, stop this perfectionist thing. Like, you're already doing it. You've grown yeah. the company. We've doubled in revenue since I've been on board. We've got 720 employees. And and we have all these great accolades that have happened. He's like, and you're a really good leader. You care about people, and you're doing the right thing. I can tell you, you don't need that piece of paper. Yeah. But as I – so I just wanted to try it out. The first class was like, you know, strategy 101. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. And so the – for me, I'm a lifelong learner. That's what I was – I literally it in my head, amazing. I was like, it sounds like you're a lifelong learner. Yeah. So for you, it's fun. It's fun. And I will say where I've gained the most experience through it so far has been, you know, I think everybody talks about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. But until you read the Harvard Business Reviews and you read the statistics and you're really looking at 
systemic racism and you look at the issues and and um, the case studies, I'm like, holy moly, this is this is insane. Real. And so, what so has that's been, your been biggest, educational? What for has me. been your biggest insight, and what has what have you done differently because of that? Well, I've already been. I, I was already passionate about the uh, racial reconciliation movement that that needs to happen here. I think um, that uh, I could go down a, a rabbit That's hole fine. for with this, but I think that that you know there's a lot of people who are naive, and um, we need to really um, you have know you what, gone through undivided. No, I haven't. But my husband, I think, is it's with Chuck Chuck Mingo right yes. through Crossroads. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. Um, it's great. I went through it. I learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've thought about it. I need to find the time. <laughs> I know. Maybe. <laughs> I bet that's where you met the the um, the lady with Apple. Did Is that where you're here? Were you just at the training at Crossroads that they did? I was. That's My husband ex- went to that. He did? He said, it was, she's, he said she was incredible. Li- was, so that was Live to Lead. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to Untapped because yes. they have a podcast and a whole business that I... We, my husband and I actually are clients of them, yeah. um, and they are amazing, which is another story, and you guys <laughs> all promote that in a different venue. But yeah, that it mm-hmm. was the Live to Lead event. They just happened to use Crossroads space for it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah, he, he loved it, too. He said it was awesome. So yeah. that, I think, diversity and right. um, and how privileged you and I are. Yeah. Um, and also learning about the real issue with compensation uh, differences between women and men has mm-hmm. been huge. And then I really like the finance piece of it, too. I think, you know, we can always gain a lot of knowledge, um, especially if you don't come from a financial background, you don't have a finance degree or an accounting degree. Yeah. Uh, that's That's been a game changer for me as well. Okay. So business school. I can't. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Four kids, husband. Does your husband work too? So when he retired, he was involved in international missions. And he's always, I call him St. Caleb. Yeah, he does. He runs our foundation now. Okay. So we always had the, um, so he did a lot of that and he was doing a lot throughout the city and understanding a lot of our poverty issues, which is why I'm learning it through him vicariously. Yes. And he's like, you know, your dad has, has always been a father figure to like 20 kids. Um, he never had a father growing up. And so somebody took him under his wing in high school and he went from failing to straight A's. He gets Your dad home. or Caleb? My dad. Okay. So he identified, he's like, you know, we've got this issue in Cincinnati with poverty and foster care. Your dad's already passionate about that and doing it anyways. But he's like, no offense, Brittany, y'all aren't really making a huge impact because you give to like a 10 different thousand things it's like you get a gift card you get a gift card and we're just like everybody i mean we're very giving (laughs) (laughs) but it really wasn't making a huge impact so two years ago we got together and he kind of took us through um a uh, a really interesting workshop and my brothers and i and my father and we were able to really hone in on like what is the legacy work that you want us to be doing yeah and it was poverty uh childhood poverty and uh foster kids and adoptive um adoption so so he's running that now and um it's it works and it's really beneficial to me because um a huge part of who i am is what what are you doing you know i like i run a a restaurant group but i know that's not my calling my calling is really my employees my community my guests yeah and what are we doing with that to 
positively impact the community that supports us anyways, right? So people always talk about how the restaurant industry, it's like a totally different culture because people mm-hmm. work different hours. Um, and at times it can be a little dysfunctional for people, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you guys, how do you manage that? Well, how do you help build them and develop them? Through, tr- through our leadership program. So we took... Uh, the past three years, um, we've done transformational leadership. And in that training, and, and at first we just did it with corporate. We wanted to get our feet wet and see what it was like. It's been such a game changer for our culture. Um, you know, he reads a suicide letter in there. He talks about adultery. He talks about um, su- anxiety. He talks about things that happened to him bad when he was a kid. And so, really? yeah, we deal with like email etiquette and how to handle conflict and basic 101 type leadership stuff. But he brings awareness and makes it a safe place to talk about like real things that are happening, especially around the mental illness kind of uh, world and and that which is rampant for me. I mean, I've been to as a kid growing up in this industry, I I can say I've been to at least a dozen funerals for suicide or drug overdose. And and that for us is um, where we want to be a pioneer in this industry for um, helping that situation in general. so we took our corporate team through it. Then we take our managers through it. And and in that, you um, sign a social covenant. And so your social covenant is how do you want to treat each other? And we basically draft our own. Um, how If something, you know, how do you, you handle conflict? If they're, well, we're going to go one-on-one first. If that doesn't work, we go two-on-one. If that doesn't work, we go three-on-one. And then we bring the group in. And so we're all like aligned on how that would work. Um, I love that con- I love that concept of a social covenant. Yeah. Is that what treating it's called each other, say, right? Social covenant, treating each other with respect. How do we treat each other if we're dealing with conflict? Um, and so we are, we're all on the same page. And that has been so when we figured if our managers have at least been through that, right. that culture will trickle down to the restaurant level where we're excited for 2020 and beyond is finding a way to be able to give that resource to every single employee throughout the company. It's mm-hmm. just right now logistically trying to figure that out, whether it's on demand through digital or if we're going, you know, restaurant to restaurant, right. trying to figure that out. But but we we have seen a huge shift through you know, and a lot of it's gossip, you know, it's just, we don't, we don't tolerate it. It's literally, if you come to me and you gossip, and I know this would happen at any, any one of our restaurants with our managers or at the corporate level, and you have something negative to say, I'm going to say right back to you. Okay. I hear you. I'm not part of the solution. So you have 48 hours to go talk to that person one-on-one and then come back and let me know how that went. (laughs) I love that you give them a timetable. Yeah, nobody does that. That's nobody the thing. does it's that. Like, That's get the to trick. It. Yeah, the forty-eight hours. That's 48 amazing. Hours. That's a really good tip. Yeah. So we've cut the. I mean, because the restaurant business can be really catty. No yes. offense to everybody in the restaurant business, but it just can be. Yeah. And so I think cutting the gossip out, appreciating each other, understanding that there's two to three things that you just don't know about someone. Be kind to people, um, and giving a safe place for addiction mental illness, all of that, um, and talking about it and knowing that there's a resource. I mean, there's a hotline my employees can call if they are having suicidal thoughts. Really? Um, So, yeah, just in creating that type of environment and making sure that we've got really good general managers who really, you know, are leading by example. So I'm going to really totally go off script right now. Okay. Because today I found out that my godfather, who I adore, Mm -hmm. has pancreatic and liver cancer. Mm. And I am like, I know I'm so sad about it. 
And um, when you said that about your mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very sad. When I, I got tunnel vision when we were in the room and I'm looking at her face. I got the tunnel vision when they said it spread to the nodes. And then all I heard was chemo, radiation, surgery, I'm sorry. And I was in a really bad place last week. I mean, really bad place. And I, for me, what I realized this week, because I've been depressed before. I know what depression feels like, where you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to eat. You're just, you want to sleep as much to let time pass. And, you know, you're in a dark room. For me, what I found this week where I'm like, oh, my God, I actually feel a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. I might be okay. Um, is, well, her attitude has been, I don't know how his Amazing. attitude is. So he literally just found out today. So you're just in, so, and I, you're in yeah, shock. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like in total shock. And I've had to, I've been at work all mm-hmm. day and I've had to like compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to his daughter stepdaughter but really she's his daughter mm-hmm. on the way down here and i'm like oh my god yeah hope for me is the i i mean i my dad was in a coma for a month what when he had, when i was five years old and he had a two percent chance of living without being brain dead so my it's crazy and he's he attests his recovery to five thousand prayer lines that were sent out on his behalf and he woke up and he is did, totally wait, fine. Tell me this 5,000 prayer lines. What is that? It it He had 5,000 people that just, please pray. And my mom was doing it. And and so he is a medical miracle. miracle. I mean, the doctors will say, you know, whatever faith you are, like, they, they had a father in there reading, which it was his real father's name. It was like Father Weiss. And my mom's like, that's really weird because his real father's last name was Louis. It was Louis Weiss. She's did he like, change his last name? Yeah. Well, he had four... At one point, he thought there were four different men who were like his fathers. He calls them his forefathers. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> That's actually so, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he did, though. Rubenstein, I think, uh, to Ruby, he dropped Got it. Okay. that. But I, I have seen miracles happen, and I think you have to have hope. You know, it's yeah. obviously, but... And I want to be... I'm going to go have dinner with him tonight, and I want to be... Yeah. I want to... Cry on the way home. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Right? I'm just going to cry. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to get there, and I'm going to put a smile on my face, mm-hmm. and I'm going to appreciate every minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's all that you can do, and that's what I, through this process, I'm like, I have to go day to day, like really, and throughout the day, um, stay really busy, <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to go back to that can't get out of bed and he doesn't want you to do that either. No. My mom definitely doesn't, doesn't want, want me yeah. to do that. So I know I have, uh, you grieve, right? You have to cry. You have to process. That's There's no question about that. And then once you've done that for however long, only you know how long that's going to be. Yeah. But then you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've got a responsibility to my listeners. I've got a responsibility to my family. Yes. To the community. And you keep really busy and you go day by day. Yeah. And, you know, I cried on my way home from work yesterday and talking to my mom. You know, she said, she's like, why are you crying? She's like, you know what? It's going to be a real pain in the ass that I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to be bald probably. And um, she goes, but 
I know I'm not going anywhere. She just said, I, I'm i 62 years old. She's I have a young. lot of purpose left yes. to do in this world. I've got a huge legacy that I want to leave. And she goes, if anything, you know, it just inspires me more to get this past me, this annoying thing and deal with it. And I'm like, how can I be sad when that's her mentality? So, okay, so then I'm going to stop this grieving all day long because it's not even me. It's her. Right. And I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to watch a miracle play out. And so you think the positive through that and the hope. And, um, you know, it's, 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 I've just seen too much stuff, um, happen in my life where, um, I do believe in the power of miracles. I 100% believe in the power of miracles. I think I just needed a reminder today, Mm. (laughs) you know, I, I do, I do believe in it and I believe in the power of prayer. Yeah. Um, but I think I forgot it <laughs> over the last four hours, you know? Well, and you lose hope. You're like, I've, you know, the world will tell you, like, somebody just died of cancer. And there's, of course, that happens. Like, the reality is we live in a very fallen, imperfect world. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, and I don't want to go, I always, um, I took world religions because I never wanted to put my faith only out there. I always wanted to appreciate other faiths that are out there. Yeah. Um, But the truth is, I think it's about 90% of people have a belief in some sort in of higher power, right? Yes. So so for the sake of uh, this might sound I call it preachy, but <laughs> what when I I had three miscarriages in a row before I had Gracie and it you know th- the second one was a neural tube defect it was a fully formed baby and this baby didn't you know make it. I mean it was it was traumatic mm-hmm. and um I remember my husband after the third loss we're laying in bed and he's like, man, you just seem like you've really lost hope. I'm like, well, I'm just surrendering to whatever's going to be. That's mm-hmm. where I am. And he's like, that's really dangerous, Brittany. And I'm like, well, why? If God has a plan, I'll have this baby. And he's like, you know, my husband was raised really like religious. And there's a difference between religion and relationship. He's relationship driven now. But before, you know, so the yes. cool thing is, though, he can quote scriptures like crazy. He knows all the stories. He goes, don't you know that story about the widow who pleaded to the judge? And I'm like, no, Caleb, I don't know that story. Okay. And I have a religion degree, but no, I don't. And he goes, well, let me tell you about it. Okay. He said, there's a parable where literally the widow went to the judge over and over. And it actually says he finally granted her request because she wore him out. Mm. He's like, you have got to keep pleading and begging. Prayers work. And the more prayers that are going out, the better, you know, if that's really how it works. And they're, he's saying this is keep pleading and you finally kind of get what you want. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a bigger purpose to whatever sure. the outcome is. But for me, that means through my mom's cancer and for you, put out as many prayers as you possibly can. That's like my father when he had his his coma. You so know? we're going to put prayers out for your mom. Yes. Ask all of our you. listeners now and for my sweet yes. godfather, Paul. Yes. Um, but I do want to hit one thing because yeah. you and I really jammed on the phone when we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of the podcasts, we talk about spirituality because mm-hmm. I found that highly resilient people, they um, either they rely on something higher than themselves and that could be in any religious – I don't even want to say religious sure. form, but it would be any – whether it's Christian, Buddhist, yeah. whatever, yeah. Um, Judaism, mm-hmm. et cetera. So tell me how you use spirituality maybe at work because mm-hmm. that can sometimes be a tension, right? Yes. So I 
it's a safe place for all of our employees. And I don't, I think they all know I'm Christian. (laughs) So I usually get the call when they're ready and they're like, and I had one recently and actually he wasn't working for us anymore. The past two actually people who I exited. Yeah. Well, we, we both agreed and they came knocking on the door. Like one was a year later and one was a month later. And they're like, Hey, by the way, I know, you know, like I was agnostic. And then one case, the other guy was atheist. He's like, I I want what you have. I'm ready. And I'm like, well, you know, the only way that I can do that is probably to pray with you and ask for that. Right. And he's yeah. and the guy pointed to his heart and he's like, I'm ready. I'm like, well, let's go. Let's pray. And it oh. was just real quick. Um, so I think leading by example for me, people know that that, you know, my entire family is faith um, driven yeah. and faith based. <clears throat> and um, but I I don't preach ever. At work, I mean, we're a sec- it's secular company. Yeah, we're not. You know, like I, I appreciate what the Linders. They're, they're a faith based organization. Right. Um, when you go to their Christmas party, there's scripture up at the. At, you know, during that, that is amazing. We didn't start as a faith based organization. So what do I do with everybody who signed up for my company? And they're like, wait a minute, now I've got this person. <laughs> and so I've just always been very cognizant of that. Yeah. But I also know that they know if they ever want any sort of, you know a shoulder to cry on, a hug, or any sort of spiritual help in any sense or prayer, whatever it is, that the door is always open that they can come to that. And if they follow me on social media, they get it either way. So, <laughs> But oh I, got, I have to follow you. <laughs> I haven't followed you yet. Oh, on We Instagram? need to follow each yeah. other. Yeah. Britt Ruby Miller, I think. Is it? I think I'm Britt Ruby Miller. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, find me. Yeah. You know, Everybody will have to find you. So, um, but... But back to, I think the culture too is um, overall appreciation. And I I would assume that most of the employees have a good feeling that they know that the leadership uh, team, my family are believers, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that we're better than anybody. That doesn't mean that we're, like I said, quote unquote, religious, because right. I'm not, I'm not about that. Um, but I think they know that we're quality people and we care about people. And, um, you know, that they're working for good people. I'm, I don't feel bad saying that. I mean, my brothers and my father and uh, and our leadership team are – it's one of our seven cr- things of when you hire somebody, the last one is, is the person a quality person? Like That's you can have all the skill set, but the last yeah. thing is like, is this a good person? You got to be a good person to work for us. You know, there's a book called – I'm going to quote this wrong. It's something like, don't fire assholes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There is. It's kind of similar, That's, but yeah. in a nicer way of That's saying right. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, last question is, well, first of all, I want to say thank you because while we were talking the whole time, I really wanted to – usually I usually I don't go into my stuff on the show, but I just kept mm-hmm. wanting to get um, mm-hmm. wisdom from you mm-hmm. about your mom thing, and that really helped me with my godfather. So I feel your pain. Thank you. I do. Yeah, it's sad. It's it is sad. sad. But it's going to be okay because I've got hope now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. And it was the right season. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm just in a different place right now than, you yeah. know. So in the, it's funny we say season. I kind of measure my life in seasons. But um, it sucks. We're going into the holiday season with this. That's the other mm. piece of it that I'm like selfish about where, you know. It's going to be a sad season. Yeah. But the good news is, um, is the hope piece 
And the quality time and the family time spent during that time. You'll have more time. Exactly. Or do you have to work more then? Or no, will you have more time? I will. Yeah. That's good. I will. Yeah. That's a gift. It is. Yes. Yeah. So I've already started the Christmas candles. It smells like <laughs> pine trees in my house. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the people across the street, they, are, they already have their whole house lit up. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. They always get it right after um, Halloween. It's so great. That's amazing. Um, what do you want to close with our listeners, what's one last thing you want to share with them? Um, well, hopefully, I haven't been too much of a downer with this stuff. You haven't been a downer. On. I'm like, man, I talked about a lot of really crazy stuff going on. Um, also, just so you know, I and I believe this with my whole heart. Every guest that we've had on here, we never they never knew what they were going to talk about ahead of time. Yeah, and afterwards, they're like. Mm-hmm. Wow, that came out of nowhere, and it was exactly what they needed to share. So please know that what you shared today was exactly what people need to hear. That's awesome. I believe that. That's awesome. Um, I guess um, I'm I'm doing a TED Talks what? December 5th. What? And so that's on my mind right now. I'm, it's So Cincinnati women, they're doing it here. Um, I think it's December 5th. December the, 5th? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so... I've That's been huge. working on the speech and really it goes, it's falling back into that how important, especially right now, staying busy when you're sad, mm-hmm. after you still heal, but it goes back to how important it is to have this vision and mission and purpose for your life. Yes. Um, the VP Mosa. The VP Mosa piece of it. I think, you know, everybody in the world should have some sort of idea of what their legacy is going to be and what their vision and mission is for their life. And, you know, even stay-at-home mom, it can be, you know, I've got four kids. Uh, I'm not a stay-at-home mom, but I don't, I I would say anybody who has any, any sort of conception over how incredibly challenging and important that role is, it's no different than me or the CEO for P&G. Right. Um, That's, their purpose you know but i will say outside of work and when you talk about your legacy you know those kids grow up yeah right my company at some point i'm moving on not anytime soon but right one point i'll retire yeah and i still believe even i joke with caleb because like i said he's saint caleb so i say you know when we hit the powerball um (laughs) i want to be on a yacht in the caribbean and he's like that's fine but we're going to be pulling that yacht up to mozambique uh to help uh, with iris global and heidi baker like we are never retiring do you realize that like we will always be doing god's work whatever that is and so figuring that out in your personal life for while you're working or while you're at home or whatever it might be but just knowing what your purpose is and knowing what you're created to do here on earth is so important to beating the mental illness, to going through the sadness. And st- it's like you keep your eye on the prize through through every season of your life and you measure and see, well, how am I doing on this? And really, like, it's really, you write it down, you go through that process and it's really hard. So probably that, I would say, I would really encourage people to do. So that's, that's the best Yay. ending ever. We're high-fiving each yeah. other, you guys. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So you may know that our Patreon page is live, but what you might not know is that we recently added a new perk, early access to every Failing Forward episode. As a reminder, Patreon is a donation platform, and by becoming a donor, you help us grow and market the show. 
Plus, you get bonus content like our monthly newsletter and the Face Your Fears Toolkit. And now, with a pledge of $2 or more, you can stream new episodes before anyone else can. So donate today by visiting failforwardpod.com. A big thank you to our new patrons, Neely H., Michael C., Davis L., Katie K., Michaela H., Tim B., Kate N., Ben B., Julie B., and Ann P. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>